This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's Talking Buffalo podcast. What? Don't you mean Moranalytics podcast? Nope. I mean Talking Buffalo podcast. I'm going to have with me Nate Gary from WGR 550, recurring guests, and we're going to talk about a wide variety of things. We'll discuss specifically how this coronavirus is affecting sports talk radio and sports talk period. The process of setting up to do shows in his kitchen instead of a radio station. We'll hit on some other content. And then, of course, we're going to spend plenty of time talking Buffalo Bills. Very unbiased takes from Nate, by the way on the Stefan Diggs trade, on Josh Allen needing to be better at this point in year three, a seeming lack of complete confidence in Devin Singletary. Is the Buffalo Bills defensive line better, the same, or worse than it was before? A few different draft possibilities. We'll hit on Rex Ryan's personal remarks on Amari Cooper. Did he go too far? Plenty more, including a Nate Gary fun fact finale. I'll have that all for you in just a minute before that i want to let you know that today's show is being supported by 26 shirts at 26 shirts a different buffalo theme design is sold every two weeks then that shirt is gone here's the cool part for every single shirt that they sell a donation is made to that specific campaign each and every single time every single shirt sold since 2013, their designs have managed to raise and donate several hundred thousand dollars. Incredible. Del Reed, his crew, they do such an amazing job enriching the lives of so many people. It's great to see. Not to mention, these are outstanding looking design t-shirts. They're very comfortable, very sporty to wear. I have several of these shirts. Wear them out all the time. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. And on that note, let's do it. Buffalo's got a spirit talking proud, talking proud. Listen up and hear it talking proud, talking proud. Know the life that you share with nice people who care. It's time to tell them all we're up and standing tall. America, we're a winner. Hear us now. All righty, Talking Buffalo Podcast, episode 209. Thank you to everyone out there, as always, for continuing to listen, download, support the podcast. It means an awful lot to me. So there's at least a chance that you just heard me say Talking Buffalo Podcast, and you're like, huh? I announced over the weekend on social media that I was changing the name and the brand from Analytics Podcast to Talking Buffalo Podcast. Clearly, you don't follow me on Twitter. You don't know that or Facebook. But anyway, I'm not going to take up a lot of time here re-explaining it again, exactly why 
I do have a post that explains exactly why all that stuff. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. So if you're interested in knowing the who, what, the why, go check that out. But bottom line, this is now going to be Talking Buffalo podcast, and I'm very, very excited about it. Going to be incorporating some of the old concepts of the podcast, along with some new stuff. And I'm really very much looking forward to it. Very excited. Hopefully you can tell by the tone of my voice. And speaking of new stuff, by the way, that intro, some of you Buffalonians who've been around for a while, you're surely going to recognize that song. Surely. Quick little story too. Backstory here. The instant that I thought of the name of the brand change to changing is to Talking Buffalo podcast, I immediately locked in on wanting that song. I remember it. I wanted it. I went through the Buffalo Chamber of Commerce. I got a contact through them. And eventually I was able to track down the owner of that jingle. And trust me when I tell you, it was a task. It was not easy to do at all. Anyway, turns out the gentleman's name is Alden Shute. And back in 1980, Mr. Shute, who's well, at the time a very successful ad man and an artist, uh, was contacted by the Buffalo Chamber of Commerce. And he was charged with coming up with an ad and a jingle to help defend Buffalo against the haters out there. A lot of naysayers against the city of Buffalo back then. And it would become a Buffalo anthem in the early 80s. In fact, when I spoke to Mr. Shute, he told me the jingle debuted at a Buffalo Bills game against the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1981. The Bills won the game. That jingle played and the crowd went absolutely nuts. And from there, the rest was history. Anyway, Mr. Shute, by the way, he's now in his 80s and he's living out West, still very involved with art, gave me his blessing to use the clip for a jingle for the podcast here. And I'm going to have him on some point. I don't know exactly when, but I'm definitely going to have him on some point in a future episode because I'd love to get the entire backstory of that entire campaign during that time, get some insight as to what it was like being involved in marketing with the Buffalo Bills in the city of Buffalo back in those days. By the way, I know at least some people have never heard that song, Talking Prowl, before, the jingle. So at the very, I'm not going to do it all the time, but I am today. At the very, very end of this episode today, I'm going to play that song in its entirety for you to enjoy. Again, some of you may not have heard it before. Many of you, especially older Buffalo fans here, you did. So you'll get a chance to hear it again. And that's going to be at the very end of the podcast. One other thing as well, I do want to plug one thing real quick here, and then we'll get into today's episode, and that's the Talking Buffalo Podcast YouTube channel. Now, I'm going to be putting a lot, and I mean a lot of work into that, highlight clips from this podcast, current and past episodes, also a lot of original audio content that you'll only find there, nowhere else, not even this podcast. And just so we're clear, this audio podcast and the Talking Buffalo Podcast on the YouTube channel. Those are two different things, not exactly one and the same. And then last, I wanted to thank all the sports media friends that I have out there, listeners to the podcast, people who support me, follow me on Twitter and stuff, helping getting the word out over the weekend on social media about the change to Talk Buffalo Podcast. I appreciate you for sure. So on that note, enough about that. I have Nate Gary on with me today, recurring guest, and a dude who i become pretty good friends with over the past year or so. Young guy who I think is rising up the ranks in the Buffalo sports media. And I think he's got a nice, bright future ahead of him. I think he's one of those guys who's been able to take the mediums between traditional sports talk radio and the blogs and the podcasts that are becoming bigger and more prominent every day in today's world. And he's 
blending them both together very well. He's got a lot of interesting things to say. I think he's not afraid to take a stand on something, even if it's not the popular take. There's a lot of people out there who are afraid to say what they think because they're afraid that it's going to lose them followers and stuff like that on Twitter. Nate's not that guy. And that's one of the reasons why I become a big fan of his. So on that note, let's just get after it right now. Here it is a chat on a variety of things with WGR 550's Nate Gary. All right, I'm joined by WGR 550 Sports Talk host, current guest, my man, Nate Gary. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? What's up, brother? How are you? Doing well in this crazy world right now. I got to say, listen, we're going to talk some serious stuff. Obviously, we're going to talk some Buffalo Bills. Got a few things at the end as well. But right before we started taping this, and we're taping this relatively late on a Monday night now. One of those. Is that what it is? It's a Monday? Are we sure? <laughs> exactly. I don't even know half the time anymore. And I'm not even joking either. My, everything about me is so messed up right now. Like my sleeping schedule, everything about it. I was in a nice routine in this, obviously. I'm sure that goes for the same with a lot of people, but all screwed up. But anyway, on Twitter, and both of us are regular fixtures on Twitter, those lists that are going around where you got to pick three of something. And this time it was food. I think it was maybe Channel 7 who threw it out there. Uh, I don't remember. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, dude, I took a beating because of my picks here. So there was nine things, and you had to pick three of them to keep. And it was wings, pizza, beef fine whack. I'm not going in order here, I don't think. Uh, Salem's hot dogs, bison dip. I'm looking now. Donut, Loganberry, sponge not just any, Not just any donut. It's the peanut donut from... Uh... From Paulus. That's that's an important that's an important uh, distinction you have to make when you're talking about this poll because that I think also just didn't really necessarily get any love when I saw people voting for it. Um, not that I voted for it either. Uh, I voted uh, wings, pizza, and uh, what was the other one that I uh, wings, pizza, shit, uh, what why can't oh hot dog, hot dog, right? I went all food that went. And, and in my opinion, it's tough for me to even pick hot dogs because I'm a Wardinsky fan, by the way. So Wardinsky over Salins. Ooh. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. That's, um, that, that's, but that's warm. At, at least it's warm. Here's the problem is it's tough because if I have to only pick three of those, I can't pick two things related to a hot dog. Like I, I, I need the, the Weber's mustard to go with it, the horseradish <laughs> mustard to go with it. And the problem is, is it almost makes me, but I was going to pick the beef on whack, but did you see the picture of that poor? It was a poor terrible, picture. Oh my gosh. I couldn't vote for it on principle alone. <laughs> well, see, now you kind of answer one of my questions because number seven, I was a little bit confused about that. Is that just any donut? Is it a specific donut? And you got to answer my question. And then Sponge Candy and Weber's, like you said, were the other two. Now, for me, the first two were complete no-brainers. Wings, obviously. And Beef on Whack, I, I miss Beef on Whack very much. So I never thought of it the way you just said. That, that's a horror. I'm looking right now. Jesus Christ, that's a terrible picture, man. Wow. Bad, bad picture. It looks like you got it at Starbucks. <laughs> well, I would pick Beef on Whack for no other reason than because I'm down here in Florida now. You can't even get it. Like, I could get wings. I could get pizza. I could get hot dogs but most of them suck. In Florida, though, nine and a half out of 10 places you go to, they don't, forget about having it. They don't even know what Beef and Weck even is. So I picked that. And then the third one was kind of a, a toss-up for me between Salem's Hot Dogs, because I do like them, and also, uh, of course, pizza. But 
here's why I, I took the beating. And I'm, I'm just being honest with you, man. You know, I hate Weber's, I hate mustard and I hate Weber's mustard. And I put that out there, our little podcasting group, Greg put it out there. It was a bunch of people in there and I kind of took a beating. Jeremy White got after me. A bunch of people got after me for that take. So not the best way <laughs> to start off with a take here and saying that uh, Weber's mustard sucks, but it is what Weber's, it is. And that's how I feel. Weber's is, uh, it's Buffalo's treasure. Something I don't think it's talked about enough. I said I, Logan Berry doesn't deserve to be on that list. I think Logan Berry is absolutely trash. Is Just, that a Buffalo thing? Yes, I guess it, I think it is a Buffalo thing. But here's the thing. Not only is it bad, Pat, but it is like, I and I. this is what I basically equated to. It's purple piss or if two, <laughs> if they like, if you put two of those big 99 cent freezy pop purple freezy pops like the really big ones put them in and then you dumped a bunch of sugar in and then to melt it down you peed on it that's what you would get with logan logan berry is like what the like the liquid at the bottom of the garbage can usually ends up being like it is toxic to me i absolutely hate it i don't dis well maybe not to that extent but i'm not a logan berry person whatsoever at all and honestly i didn't even know it was a buffalo thing i God, I guess you learn something new every day. But obviously, wings would be number one for both of us and almost everybody. This kind of brings me to another question here I wanted to ask you. So, because we haven't had a chance really to talk in a bit, you and Marcel are the two guys that I really consider like my wing people, you know, because we could just talk about wings for days. We're not going to do that today, but Indeed. we could do it for days and days. Now, Any I know. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you and Marcel, not too long ago, both went to 9 11. And now, 9 11 has been on the top of my power rankings pretty much from day one. And I also know what a huge Macy's fan you are as am I. And as is Marcel, what I wanted to ask you was, especially with the virus going on and might options might be limited somewhat anyway, which of those two, because to me, it's a very interesting debate here. Are you a nine 11 guy? Or are you a Macy's guy? Now I know they're kind of different, but where do you fall on that Macy's versus nine 11? So I will say hot versus hot. I'm going to give it to 9-11. But I, I, you know, I, I think, in my opinion, Macy's has by far the best specialty wing you can find. Um, however, I was sucked in by trying their medium wing. That was the first because we did it in the, the Barstool reviews, uh, I think one of their, their podcasts, right? Um, and we did it and they, they were just doing everybody's mediums to make it a fair playing field. Um, well, I had some for Macy's and that's when I literally was like, all right, guys, I'm, once we're done with this podcast, I'm going to Macy's and picking up more wings. Um, so from then on there, it was love. Um, for me, but, uh, nine 11, uh, that was my first opportunity to actually eat the wings and the fries, by the way, which underrated, oh, uh, yeah. may, maybe not, I don't even want to call them underrated. They're the best fries in Buffalo. Um, they're, they're like absolutely tremendous. Um, Marcel and I both agree. That's like, that's the one thing about Duff's is I think that Duff's gets, uh, weirdly lumped in with Anchor Bar. Anchor Bar is, you know, is also very similar to Loganberry at the bottom of the the garbage. It's what's it's what you feed to the dog, um, <laughs> and and Duff's is I think good. I you know I used to love Duff's when I was younger. Um, you know, I, now that I'm you know a seasoned wing eater, I, it's somewhere I don't normally go to. Um, but their fries are typically renowned, right? Like they're talked about as like these elite fries when yeah. in all reality, let's talk about it. They're McDonald's fries and you can say what you want about the fries being delicious. 
they're fine. They're McDonald's fries, but call them McDonald's fries. They're nothing special. That's 9-11 comes in with these garlic, like whatever they got going on, the crack that's on top of those fresh cut fries um, and the wings themselves. You know, I, I think they were probably the, per, the just the best put together hot wing I've seen. Um, and, you know, Barbell, I think for me, hot is a little too hot for me for Barbell. And, and, and I like hot. Um, but it just takes it past the, I'm enjoying this hot level for me and I can totally handle it. It's not that I can't handle their hot. It's just that it, it's like maybe half a notch past my enjoyment of hot level. And, you know, once that happens, like I accidentally got a hot Cajun and a hot, like as two set. And I just was like, you know, through 10, I was like, man, I can't even, I can't even finish this 20. I'm, I'm putting myself to shame. It's just too much for me right now. And, uh, but nine 11, nine 11 by far has the best hot wing I've, I've come across. Um, probably not even close to be honest. Now you have a lot of hot wing takes and I'm sure you pay attention to what a lot of other people are saying about them. You and Marcel went there. I know that going into it, at least, you know, that one of the biggest criticisms and I certainly am among them with nine 11 is everything for me, at least what I've had him, I've had him a couple of times too. Now, everything about the place sucked until the wings came out and then they and then blew you forgot me about away. Everything else. Forgot about yeah. everything else. So my question is when you guys went in there, how was the service? Like, was there a long wait? Was the service good? Did you like your experience there or did all that suck? Like it always does for me until the wings come out and then none of that seems to matter anymore. So I would say that I've had both experiences. Um, so I, the first time I ever went, my roommate and I went to go have the wings and we got there and basically were told, and there was no, there was like two other, three other people in the house. Um, like there was nobody home, you know? And they basically said it was going to be an hour before we got wings. Um, and we were like, really? Like, you know, there's nobody here. What do you mean it's going to take an hour for wings? And he's like, it is going to take an hour. So we just kind of were like, okay, whatever. So we'll, we'll, we didn't end up eating, uh, had a beer and left. And then Marcel and I both decided to go. And when we went, there was also not too many people there. We got there like right when they opened. Um, I, you know, thought the service was excellent. The bartender was a great guy. We, you know, were talking with him throughout. Um, he could tell that Marcel wasn't from, you know, Buffalo. So he was kind of like, we were talking about some different wing experiences, but yeah, man. I mean, that was absolutely bomb. There's no doubt about it. And 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 the the service when I went and actually ate was phenomenal. So uh, nothing for me, nothing but good things to say about 9-11. I, I understand the experience, though, that others have had, too. So I could see the both sides of the coin. Um, but, you know, it's um, it's a great joint. I'll be back. And that's maybe the time you have to go is like right when they open, I think, is the, the best time to go. I'll tell you what, man. Obviously, I, I miss Buffalo very much and I wish I could be back a lot more than I get an opportunity to be back. Having said that, though, I've come to grips, so to speak, with being down here, at least for the time being. That might change sometime relatively soon. But right now, I've kind of, you know, I've gotten used to it. There's not a lot of things that are going on that I see on Twitter or Facebook that get me legitimate jealous that I'm not in Buffalo. But I remember that night on Twitter when you and Marcel said you were going 9-11, legitimately got jealous that night. That's like missing a wedding to me or a big beer blast with a bunch of buddies because that's how bad I've been craving those wings. And wanting to go there. It's just nuts. And I'm glad you said it that way too, between 9-11 and Macy's, because that kind of changed my thought process. You know, I always review these wings and I put together my own little power rankings and stuff like that. I kind of feel like it's unfair because I agree with you, by the way, a hundred percent. 
Like 9-11 for hot wings, I think, are the best wings in Western New York. I've said that all along, and I still feel that way. So I would technically keep them number one. But if I could only, like, say if this coronavirus and you could only go within a block of where you live and you could pick, you could either live a block from Macy's or a block from 9-11, I would definitely pick Macy's because there's just so many more flavors that you can go. I love all the Cajun stuff, the hot honey mustard, which Marcel oh, yeah. turned me on to. There's just so many more things. The hot about lemon that pepper place. to me, hot lemon pepper is the best wing I've ever had. I've had um, point blank period, best wing I've ever had. Uh, and I'll continue going back just for those hot lemon peppers. Um, the yes, the hot honey mustard is very good. The hot honey mustard and then ask him to char it. That's also taking it to the next level. You should do that if, if you haven't. Uh, that's that's outstanding. He did the bourbon blue for me one time. That was really, really good. Um, and what's the oh. The hot Cajun is also oh, absolutely, yeah. That's mine. you know, finger kiss, finger kiss. <laughs> you know, I got to stop talking about wings because I'm not going to be able to finish this episode. I know. I'm starting yeah. to get remember, hungry remember right now. Just said, remember when we said it wasn't going to be a wing episode? <laughs> it, it's impossible to talk to you or it's impossible to talk to Marcel oh, and not spend yeah. 10, 15 minutes talking about wings. But as we, as we kind of turn the corner here, I kind of want to start with like the very obvious here. Like, you know, how are you doing with everything that's going on? Uh, which I would uh, guess there's been a lot of changes. I don't know how much, you know, if it's subtle changes or big changes in your life professionally. We'll talk about that in a minute. Just personally, the way you got to live, you know what I'm saying? I've seen on Twitter, you've grown that wonderful, sexy mustache. Oh, yours, but yes. <laughs> aside from that, man, how, just how are you going? How are things doing for you? Um, you know, I was joking with my boss of my full-time job today that, uh, I am absolutely loving. I'm thriving. This is kind of my, um, I, and I, and no one will believe this when I say it, but I am a kind of an introvert. I, I really prefer to, uh, I don't really like being around people. Um, I like talking, you know, but I don't really like particularly being around people or a lot of people. Um, so I am, you know, at home, like I am when I'm not either working or golfing, you know, essentially, um, I don't go out much either. So it's like, for me, this is, this is terrific. Cause I don't have to tell anybody that I'm not going to go meet them on a Friday night. Or my buddies, you know, like <laughs> yeah, now, you're gonna get I don't shit have for to it. think of an excuse, right. I don't have to think of an excuse. Um, so it's, you know, for me, you know, business is actually not too bad on my full-time job side of things. Um, we're kind of maintaining through, we're a marketing company and, you know, I mean, right now we're actually doing, we're, we're, we're okay. So, um, we've been actively outselling. So that's, that's a good thing for a, for a company with the radio. Right. I mean, it's not bill season, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing more or less than I normally would, you know, I'm kind of doing my Saturday thing. And, um, for me, it's like, I am doing it for my kitchen. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, that, you know, now I have uh, a big iPad that I use as sort of my, uh, my setup. Um, I've got my, uh, my little connector from the iPad port to a USB so that I can hook up my, um, my USB mic and away I go. Um, even, you know, even taking phone calls. So it's, uh, it's cool. You know, I, uh, I, it's, it's different. It's unique. It's a change. Um, no doubt about it, but, uh, and you know, I, I mean, I've been golfing, getting out as, as much as I can with the weather, um, you know, keeping my social distance from everybody and the golf courses that I, that I've been playing have all been 
doing a great job, um, you know, making sure the course, making sure the rakes are off the course so that nobody can touch a rake and they're disinfecting carts and they're putting bumpers around the holes, which are helping my score a whole ton, let me tell you. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it, it's weird times, man. You know, nothing is really, the, you know, even up to two months ago, just, just remembering Christmas and New Year. Um, and, and thinking from then to now, how, how things have changed. I was talking to my girlfriend about this. It's like, you know, there's going to be no summer tours. It looks like for, for any of the bands that you're usually going to see during the summer or looking forward to, you know, there's going to be no, you know, normal beach activities for the foreseeable future, um, in a lot of places. And I know that disrupted a lot of spring breaks, um, originally, but it's going to be much longer than spring break. It looks like that it's going to affect. So, um, I'll let you know in a couple months if we're still doing this whole thing, how much I love it. But right now I'm, I'm, I'm doing just fine. Bro, it's crazy because it feels to me like yesterday where I remember you had a sports talk Saturday show where Bruce and Nick from the Nick and Nolan show came right. in the studio for like the whole the show. And then yeah. you guys went to Kelly's corner and you taped the pod with them afterwards and, and pigged out there. And it's like, holy shit. And now it's like, you can't even get together with anybody. Now, do you think maybe doing some shows, I'm sure you've done, in fact, I know you have Bill's training camp and stuff, doing sports talk shows remotely at locations before that kind of help better prepare you to have to do a show instead of being in the studio for it, to do it, like, say, in your kitchen, which you mentioned that you're currently doing right now? Yeah, yeah I mean, honestly, I do remote stuff. So, I mean, it's not like I'm not used to it, but right. I definitely, this, this is... Uh, it's different for me because whenever I think I'm live on radio, there's always this, uh, there's, I got an engineer if I'm remote, right? Like I got a guy who mm -hmm. is in case any, I don't have to touch anything. I don't have to take anything down. I don't have to set anything up, you know, and I just show up and I talk into a microphone that I know is live on air. It's weird to me that I sit at my converted kitchen table, which is now my full on, you know, two computer screen, got my whole work set up and got my whole podcast slash live air set up all on this kitchen table with, you know, 60 wires coming around it. And so it's weird because, you know, I turn on the blue snowball and all of a sudden I'm live on air. What? Like, that's not how this works, you know, right, like, yeah. and, and, but here we are, you know, it's, it is a, one of the more unique times and, you know, relatively speaking, I, I start to get to a point where I, I don't really say I'm kind of like new to the industry anymore because this is going to be year six for me, um, which in millennial years, um, that's like, you know, retirement age, yeah, uh, getting you're, six you're years a at now. a job. Uh, you know, well, six years at any job, it just seems like nowadays, especially for people my age, that, that, that is longevity like you don't see, you know? And um, so six years, it's, it's crazy. It'll be six years this, uh, this summer. Uh, actually, it might even be seven years. I don't even know. There you go, right? But it just goes to say I, I've been in it long enough for there be some crazy stuff to happen out in the regular world and in the sporting world. But this is definitely, you know, unanimously the craziest sort of just commotion that that is overtaken everybody. And of course, it happens. Right? Imagine what would have happened if the Spanish flu had Twitter. Oh my God. In 1919 or whatever it was, who would have, God almighty, though, we, we, we wouldn't be here today. Probably the world would have melted down. No, no question about it, man. I'll tell you what, too, in the world of sports, when you have a radio show like yourself, plus you do a lot of podcasts. I have a show on twice a week. Now, this time of year, thank God for football. Let's put it that way. Cause it can be difficult right. at times coming up with fresh content during certain times of the year. 
when even this is like when everything in society is normal. Have you thought about it? Like things in the weeks that are going to follow after the draft. I mean, you're going to have to draft and you'll have a show where I'm sure you talk about the Bills new picks and give your takes on it, stuff like that. And then maybe, you know, a Bills like state of the roster thing post draft. But point being, not too long after the NFL draft, things fall off for a while. Have you thought about like some of the things you might have to do to keep keep things fresh with no baseball and no NHL, no NBA playoffs, if that ends up happening, things like that. It's, it's, what I'm saying is it's going to get harder and harder and you're going to have to work even harder to have a, you know, get that creative juices in your mind going to have fresh content because there's just not going to be shit to talk about in terms of live sports anyway. Yeah, I feel for the, you know, Howard and Jeremy's and the Mike sure. and Chris's because, I mean, it's just, it's difficult, you know, that to fill five days a week for four hours, that is, that is a, um, you know, people say, oh, well, you work four hours a day and it's like, but you don't, exa- it's, it can be very difficult to be good at that, you know, sure. doing that as much and right now more than ever. And, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in the system through being able to take advantage of the downtime of early summer when, um, you know, the playoffs are over and it's just baseball season and we're waiting for football season. That, that was my time to shine, um, when I wasn't getting a lot of airtime, you know? So for me this time of year, and listen, I mean, I got a once a week show, I can bleed out pre-draft and post-draft talk for at least four weeks. So I'm not, uh, I'm not overly concerned about, you know, being able to fill airtime for sports talk Saturday. It is another story though. And it is totally, um, just goes to the professionalism that, that, you know, that you have to have to, to be able to fill four hours, uh, every day while everyone used to be driving home and now they're not. So it's, it's just, it's a weird time, man. It's very weird. On a personal level, you talked about it earlier. You're a golfer, a very big fan of the sport. Now, as a fan, it has to be killing you, bro. Knowing the Masters, the Masters should be going on literally this week. The British Open, of course, that's canceled already. That's got to be eating you up because I know you are a golf junkie. Today or tomorrow would have been the par three contest. Um, and the par three contest, um, usually, like the last couple of years, have had a couple of awesome things happen. Jack Nicholas, uh, his uh, grandson, uh, hit, uh, had a hole in one during the, yeah, he had a hole in one. Was that last year or two years ago? Tony Finau had that famous thing where he had a hole in one and was running backwards and just dislocated his ankle in the yeah, worst way. Yep, yep. That was crazy. Right. So like this week is like, I, I love this week, the lead up to this. And then obviously round one, you know, I'm used to being in the office with all the TVs on, you know, streaming the PGA channel until it switches over to ESPN. And then I'm just, you know, I'm just four days immersed in it. Um, And then it just, and here's the thing is it's right now next week. um, You know, we obviously have Easter Sunday this week. We would have had an Easter Sunday um, fourth round, which would have just been, you know, bonkers. Awesome. And especially tiger defending his championship. You know, it sucks. There, There is no two ways about it. It uh, it sucks that we won't get to have it. And, you know, they're, they're talking about it being moved now. I think they announced today that Augusta announced that the, the Masters will go and run in November, yeah. um, which that is just going to be such a cool thing at the end of the season. You know, the, the thing about Augusta is this time of year, the trees are budding and it's just absolutely like postcard scenic. And 
you know, it's going to be totally different and crazy to think it's going to be the fall season out there and what that'll look like, what the course will look like then will be far different. And the, the, the time, you know, because by November we're talking that's daylight savings and it's going to be shorter days, you know, that they're going to be playing. in. so it's just, it's going to be interesting to me how that all plays out. I'm devastated and heartbroken. I'm a big Tiger Woods fan. I, absolutely ate up every moment of coverage pre and post of that that tournament last year because i mean that the the tiger storyline couldn't be and that sunday was fucking magic like it, it was just it was what golf has been missing for the last you know however long since tiger won his last major you know and you hate to say it's it's a sport that revolves around a person so much but it does and the sport's better for it everyone else plays better when tiger's playing good it's just it sucks that we're not going to get to see him uh you know either put that green jacket on someone else um or you know or potentially you know (laughs) put it on himself that would have been awesome you know back to back would have been unbelievable and a way to to tie nicholas like it was just it would have been amazing i'll tell you what you mentioned easter one of my favorite as a fan watching on tv easter memories of all time was phil mickelson winning his first masters on Easter Sunday. That was really cool. So now sports eventually are going to restart. I mean, obviously at some point, are you going to be okay if it happens in empty arenas or with very small crowds or in centralized cities? Because the way it's looking right now, and again, we're all guessing here. If I make a prediction, I'm guessing you, the president, everyone's guessing at this point, but it would seem logically that sports will reopen at some point, but probably not with arenas. Are you going to be good with that? Or would you rather just wait until Fans can fill up arenas before sports restarts. What, what's your take on that? Listen, if we're gonna if we're gonna have TVs and we're gonna have to be continue stay you know staying at home for the foreseeable future, bring me sports. Uh, you know, I I can I can handle the rest. Like I'll watch sports when I can watch sports. So just give me the live sports to watch. Um, that's kind of the camp I sit in. They they should bring it back without fans. Um, and that could be a thing for the foreseeable future. And I think you could do some interesting things um, playing different stadiums, um, you know, and that's what they're talking about for the NHL, potentially for the NBA. I think they should be going and playing in small gyms. They should be, you know, I, I know the camera angles won't be the best, um, but go play in, a, you know, Buff State. Go play at a, you know, small campus, right? You know, like try sure. try to, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think at this point, get creative um, and, you know, feature new cities and, you know, do, do what you got to do for playoff time so that you can, um, you know, engage people and also, you know, keep everybody safe. I, I, I think that there's a really good chance the first NFL game that gets played probably gets played without fans. I, I, I really think that. I, I tend to agree with you there. And I'll tell you what, you talked about being sort of an introvert. I'm kind of the same way. I really don't give a shit about going out, but I'm starting to go nuts and lose my mind a little bit with no sports, kind of how you are with golf. I'm like that with baseball, not because I love the sport of baseball as much as you love golf, uh, but I'm a fantasy baseball junkie. Mm. It's something to get me through every day. It's something I look forward to getting up every day, running at least two or three teams. So not having that right now is driving me fucking nuts. <laughs> Can't stand it. One last thing, by the way, Nate, and then we're going to get into some Bills talk, kind of going off track here, but I know you're a very big fan of The Office. Dude, we got a lot of shit in common, by the way. You're a big fan of The Office. The I Ringer, am. The Ringer just ran a big... 64 TV character uh, March Madness bracket. And in the end, it was four different categories. I don't remember what they were. But at the end, the finale came down to Michael Scott 
against Walter White from Breaking Bad. For the best TV character of all time, Michael Scott ended up winning by a nose here. landslide. Yeah, really? No, it was a nose here, dude. He was down. In fact, I was ref- <laughs> I was refreshing. It happened, I think, Saturday night was like the, the deadline to vote at midnight Pacific time. And I was refreshing that shit, checking on it every 15 seconds, like NFL free agency day one normally. Michael Scott ended up winning by a nose here at the very end. Do you agree with that? And if you don't, who would be your favorite TV character of all time? If you had to pick one. That's tough. I mean, he's he's close. If he's not number one, I, I don't have a number one off the top of my head. I, You know, Peter Griffin's pretty good. Um, but again, are we, you know, that I go into animated and then I also, then I want to say Randy Marsh is probably one of the best TV characters, um, that I can think of that, that, that I, I just, anytime it's a Randy Marsh episode, I'm fixated to the television with South Park. Um, but you know, are we separating it from real life to cartoon? Uh, if we are, then Michael Scott's probably that, right? It's hard. I would hard hard to argue that he isn't the best character on television. I agree. I was at least in my time. Anyways, I was rooting for like a sports game (laughs) again. And maybe it's because of a lack of sports, but I was following that bracket. Like it was sports. They had different, they had millennials. They had a category. They might've had an animated one. I don't remember. But anyway, long story short was Michael Scott did win our boy. So now when it comes to the bills and Stefan Diggs, I want to get your take on the trade, but first I want to read you something from Mike Sandel of The Athletic, an uh, NFL feature writer for The Athletic. I like reading takes sometimes from people who are not from Buffalo. And by the way, this is one of the big reasons why I love having you on the podcast, talking sports with you, because you have a a national media point of view more than local. And by that, and I'm not trying to disrespect anyone out there from the Buffalo media, whether it's mainstream or blogging, podcasting, whatever. It just seems that People in Buffalo tend to look at the more positive aspect of anything the team does. I'm not talking about digs. I'm talking about literally anything. You know what I'm saying right now. With Mike Sando, I, I feel like he was he calls it down the line, and he graded this trade a C, and I want to read his paragraph on what he wrote, and then I want to come right back and get your take on it. This is what Sando said. He said, the Bills are getting a good receiver in his prime and under contract with team-friendly salaries, which is good, but they parted ways with significant draft haul weeks before one of the most receiver-rich drafts in memory. They are getting a player in Diggs who has not seemed happy of late in Minnesota. If Diggs did not seem thrilled catching passes from Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, with at least 10 indoor games each season in a play-action scheme, creating wide-open looks, how will he feel tracking passes from Josh Allen in the win in cold of Buffalo against AFC East opponents featuring Stephon Gilmore, Xavier Howard, and Byron Jones at corner? The question seems reasonable. The hope for Buffalo is that the team will win, with Diggs becoming a reliable target for Allen. That could certainly happen. That's his take. What's yours about this whole Stefan Diggs acquisition? I absolutely love it. Um, The reason being is, yes, it is a wide receiver rich draft, but there is no doubt that after the top three, that there is a drop-off. And whether or not there's a drop-off of of first-round talent, I do think there's four or five first-round grades at at the wide receiver position for this draft. So like, when I think about it from that aspect, are you good with with Justin Jefferson? And I think the answer to that question is no. I I don't think for a first-round pick, based on that he mostly plays for the slot, that I'm good. Lavishka Cheneau from Colorado. Well, injuries concerns. I'm not – you know, Denzel Mims from from Baylor. Is it – 
So then you start going down the list of these young guys and you say, well, hopefully in two or three years, they're as good as Stefan Diggs is right now. And not only that, but you probably, and for Brandon Bean's sake, he's he's saying, you know, what it would have taken to trade up to go and get one of these guys that again, in the best case scenario, Jerry Judy could potentially be as good as Stefan Dix in, in a, in a year or two. Right. Um, even one of those guys that could come in that they're at the top of this draft, the rugs, the Judy's and the CD lamps. I'm, I'm personally a CD fan, a CD lamp fan myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like what they could be, not only here's, here's the context why I give it an a plus plus, right? Because the context is this is the one draft where you're not going to have the ability to work guys out, you know, there's going to, and you're going to end up having to draft to guys in a lot of cases that don't have any workout on. They don't have any 40 numbers um, that because the pro days got canceled. Um, and if you didn't go at the combine and you didn't get a time at the combine, you didn't throw at the combine, you didn't, you know, do a three cone drill. Like those are things now that you have to go off of more film. So yep. if this is the year to trade a first round pick, then so be it because it's a year that you're going to have less art. You're going to have less in your arsenal to make the proper decision in the first round. So take the pressure off having to select the right guy in a year that is means so much to this Bills team. This third year under under Allen's rookie contract in such a big year for him, you can't go out there and put another rookie uh, in this offense. They needed a proven star, and quite frankly, he's a star. Um, if you don't like the move, it's because you think the bill's overpaid. And for me, I don't think they overpaid at all. They traded the second round, the, the, the first round, 22nd overall. The, and, and in my opinion, when you look back at that 22nd overall pick, the bills got a player that if he was in this draft today would be a top five, top seven pick. No, um, you know, like maybe even higher. He, he is a legitimate star in the league. And I think those are very difficult to come by. And Sandoz's point about the off the field stuff. Um, I spoke with a number of people that were Matthew Collar included, um, who all said, yeah, you know, like there was some outspoken said he just wasn't getting targets. Um, and at the end of the day, he wants to have the targets of a number one receiver, and he's going to have the ability to get that in this offense. And I think with not only what the presence of Stephon Diggs does for Josh Allen, it also, I think, is going to bring a certain presence for John Brown and Cole Beasley, who I think could be in for even, I mean, statistically, it would be impossible for them better seasons than they had last year, but I think they'll be better they're going to have better roles within the offense because neither of them are going to have to worry about facing a double team ever again. And now you have three guys, in my opinion, who are some of the best separators in football. I mean, John Brown's in the top 15, Cole Beasley's in the top five, and Stephon Diggs might be number one in terms of being able to separate at the line of scrimmage. And, and not only that, but Stephon Diggs for his size is one of the best at, you know, going to get the ball um, in the air, you know, and, and, and at its peak. So for me, I think it's an A-plus move, not because I am a Bills fan and I love Stephon Diggs. I think I love the move from a strategic, from a contextual side of it, where you know you're not going to have – the resources this year to make the right decision in the first round pick. Well, get out, get yourself a proven player again, four years left on a contract at $11 million and some change. Like give me that 
all day long. It, it was a home run for me. Um, and, and, and they, I thought they paid fair market value and please don't bring up, you know, if, if this is your defense is, well, look what Houston or look what Arizona right, paid right, for DeAndre right. Hopkins. It's like, get the hell out of here. What you, that, that's like, that's like trying to compare apples to mortgages. Like, right. It's, you know, we're not even talking about the same thing. I completely agree with you. And I, I like to trade too, in this case for three reasons, two of them you talked about. Number one, I don't think they overpaid either because Again, if the uh, if the objective was getting up to get one of those top three receivers, they would have had to get up probably into the top 12 of the draft, and they would have gave up a hell of a lot more than what they did to get Diggs. So that's number one. Number two, you talked about it too. I think John Brown, he's going to be set up for another successful season right now because the corners that Sandal just mentioned, Gilmore and Howard and Byron Jones, well, guess who they're going to be watching? They're not going to be on John Brown, are they? They're going to be on Stephon Diggs. So which I like Diggs' chances regardless, but I think that sets up well for Brown. And then the third, and this is something I want to talk about here. To me, this checks that last real box in the Bills' offense. I feel like all the, the checks are, uh, all the boxes are checked now. You got three really good receivers. You can make a strong argument that the Bills have one of the top five trios of receivers in the NFL. You got a tight end going in the year two now, Dawson Knox. You got an offensive line. They re-signed um, Spain, so the entire offensive line is back. Not everybody loves that, but continuity means something. You got your offensive coordinator back. Bottom line, I feel like Josh Allen in year three, no more excuses. This was the final thing. Well, you got to get him another receiver. Well, guess what? There's not a lot of weapons in the NFL that are better than Stefan Diggs. And you, you went out and you got him. And again, you're one of my guys that I, I really like talking to because you don't necessarily lean right or left with Josh Allen. I feel like you're kind of down the middle. You're unbiased with him, which I wish more people would be. I don't like unconditional takes when people talk someone up no matter what. I just said that a couple minutes ago, and I know you're not like that with Josh Allen, but do you agree with that? Like, this is it. I can't think of a legitimate excuse right now that Josh Allen has if he doesn't progress in year three. What more does he need than, than what he has right now? Yeah, and, and also, I, I also think that Devin Singletary is I, – I really, really like Devin Singletary. Sure. He's, he's going to have a big season. Um, this upcoming year, I'm I'm pretty convinced that I I think the just with the 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 steady that the steadiness that they've had at the offensive line returning everybody, um, I really like Singletary a lot, and I think he's going to be a bigger part of the passing game this year as well. Um, having said that, yeah, what what Brandon Bean has done has eliminated essentially all excuses. Um, he's eliminated the margin for error, and now what you can do within apps and listen, you saw the quarterbacks hit the market this year. There was a bevy of them, of, of, of guys that could have come in and brought this roster to a, a deep playoff run, right? And there was a lot of pressure on the Bills this year. This is the most unique – this is a unique position. We are talking about, for me anyways, for uncharted waters for the first time in two decades. We are entering a season where they are the favorite to win the AFC East, and there is no Tom Brady. Um, I mean, what an unbelievable opportunity and what an unbelievable season we have upon us is, you know, they're the first time they're without Stefan Diggs. They were the favorite to win the AFC East. Um, and now they've got a legitimate bona fide number one wide receiver. Um, they've, as you mentioned, Dawson Knox is another nice player. I'll be interested to see what he get, you know, how he improves in year two. This is a, this is a team that we already know has a Super Bowl caliber defense as well. Um, it's coached at a Super Bowl caliber level. I, I, I am a big. I, I went from a non-believer early on with with the McDermott crew. Um, I am a big believer in Sean McDermott, and and if you listen to smart people, um, you listen to, to to some of the the talking heads that are 
the really the the intellectual types. Um, and and I, for whatever reason, he's the, his name is escaping me on ESPN that I that I always listen to. I don't know why I can't think of his name right now. Louis Riddick, thank you, Louis Riddick. Um, and Louis Riddick is a big fan of Sean McDermott's. And usually, Louis Riddick, wherever he sort of veers to, he's usually pretty spot on. So. Um, yeah, I, I I think that the Bills have put themselves in a very good position to know whether or not that their quarterback is the guy that's going to get them to where they're going to get to. And if they don't, if you know, they can pull the plug next year and there's going to be quarterbacks available. You know, what's what's Cam Newton going to do this year? Is he going to you know, what's Jameis Winston going to do? These guys are going to end up maybe taking one year deals somewhere and be on the market again next year. And maybe they're taking backup deals somewhere. So there's going to be guys that you can, that you can plug in the lineup or, or be in a position to draft if you have to, but they've hedged their bet, but they've also in a way given their current bet, no reason to not succeed. I, I like Josh Allen. So I'm not trying to be anti Josh Allen here. I just feel like it has to happen this year. And you just talked about two guys who are still out there, Cam Newton and Jameis Winston. Were this going in the year four of Josh Allen's career and maybe year three went exactly like it did last year where he's, all right, you might want to consider bringing in somebody like that to push him. But obviously this year, and I totally get it. I understand why you're going to give him that third year and you don't want Cam Newton breathing down his neck or James Wilson breathing down his right, neck. You can't he, do it. You can't do it because if he has, you know how it goes. And, and when you have expectations, especially forget a quarter of the season or even forget a game, it might be a half. Plays a bad half. You might be hearing people talking about, well, Cam Newton, former MVP, you know, give him a shot because he's sitting on the bench. So that's why I don't think that works. I'll tell you what. Totally agree. You mentioned Devin Singletary, and I'm with you, bro. I am very high on this dude. In fact, I had Greg on the podcast, Greg Thompson, not too long ago, back right after the season. And I told him at the time, this was before they got digs. I said, this might be the best player in the Bills offense next year. And I was including John Brown and Josh Allen and everyone else. I love the kid. But I'm a little concerned because... I don't know if you heard the Brandon Bean Brusser last week, the Zoom. It doesn't seem to me like he's as high on him, certainly as me and you are right now. He said during that presser that Singletary's the team's number one running back. And I'm quoting him right now. He says, number one running back as things stand now. That don't sound like a ringing endorsement to me. And people have been talking about drafting running back at 54, which I kind of thought was nuts. So it's kind of a two-parter here. Are you? Do you think that maybe this organization isn't as high on him as me and you are? Which leads into my question about going into the draft. So the Bills got a second and a third round, or they don't have a first. 54, 86. Do you think there's a realistic chance they're going to take a running back that early? And whether there is or not, or a couple other guys that you kind of want to see the Bills get a good long look at with those picks. I'll be interested to see what they do. I I think that, uh, as you mentioned, you and I, we both really like him. I think he's going to be their first, you know, he's going to be their RB1. We'll see how it plays out and who they end up getting. They didn't go after a running back. You know, the, 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 for me, Jordan Howard was a name that obviously they wanted in on. And you know, me too. Miami. Um, I would have been fine with the Jordan Howard in here. But for me, you know, there are a couple of names in the draft that I really like at the top. Jonathan Taylor from the University of Wisconsin is kind of the, the guy for me. Um, that, that would be the prize golden winner. If you could add him to the backfield with, uh, with Devin Singletary, you would have quite the young, um, one, two punch back there and two backs who really, um, in my opinion, and that's what you should be doing is every, every year, every other year, you know, if you go into Devin Singletary's fourth year with Jonathan Taylor and the second year of his contract and Devin Singletary in the fourth year of his, um, 
draft another one. Like just keep drafting him. You don't don't be the team that pays their running back big. Um, but you know, for me, it's it, it'll be interesting to see who they end up bringing in. T.J. Yeldon is the number two running back to me, so they're going to bring in somebody, right? I just who's going to be, you know, what are they going to do? I, I I like Zach Moss from Utah. He's another name I really like. I think they're going to end up drafting someone. I don't think whoever they draft though is likely going to out uh, you know overtake. Devin Singletary at any point this season, unless, you know, but we, you know, they've had running backs that have come up from kind of nowhere before. We'll see what ends up happening, but based in this offense, I think they're going to be a pass heavy offense this year. Well, I'll tell you what, you started the podcast off with a Logan Berry hot take. I might have a football one. I heard Brandon Bean talking up TJ Yeldon. Guess what, dude? It's late March, early April. I feel like there's a better chance TJ Yeldon's going to be a former bill than he's going to be an RB two when it comes to be week one, I think they're either going to sign a veteran. And there's still a lot out there, by the way, there's actually a lot of, there's a handful of decent veterans out there or they draft someone. One final bills question here. And it kind of circles back a little bit. Let me preface this by saying this. All right. I'm not trying to play no draft expert. Truth be told, a lot of these prospects, I don't know shit about. I just read what other people say, but Stefan Diggs, brother is a corner. Who's a second or third round prospect. According to what I've heard from many other people, do you think there might be something to, hey, you want to keep Stefan Diggs happy in Buffalo if you're worried that that might be a problem? Do you think that maybe bringing his brother into Buffalo, that might help? It may help. Um, he's a good player. I wouldn't, I, and I think he'd fit actually quite well in the scheme. Um, yeah, I, you know, for me anyways, um, that wouldn't be a bad move. It's, a, it's not necessarily a position of, of need at this point. Um, but they are probably going to bring more competition at some point in the draft at the cornerback position. I hope so. Is, is he there at 54? Um, the question is, do you want to take a corner at 54? And if not, is he there in the third round? I don't think he's there in the third round. So um, that, that means you're taking him at 54 if he falls. Um, so for me, it would, it would be an interesting pick. I, I would welcome it. I think that that's, in a, that's not necessarily a position of need, but if it could be a long-term. They don't really have a long-term answer at cornerback two right now, as it stands. Do you feel all right whether you got one or two chances here between Josh Norman or EJ Gaines? Do you feel relatively confident that one of them two are going to step in and do the job? Because we could go on forever about the fit with Washington and Josh Norman, but he was terrible. But at the same token, I've also read a lot, again, that it was just also a really bad system and it did not play to his strengths. Do you feel relatively confident and maybe that he won't be a Pro Bowl corner like he was in 2015, but at least he won't be like a huge liability. Yeah, I've got not so convincing know, there. <laughs> I've got reservations. I I like the move. Okay, I I actually do. I I welcome it. Um, I think personally that he's probably going to play the slot. Okay, that's that's my opinion. Um, that they're going to play Taron Johnson in more rundowns in the slot and then play Josh Norman on third down from the slot and have him cover team slot core, uh, slot receivers. That would be my best case scenario if they're going to play him, what he's going to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's not a move I would expect to see Pro Bowl caliber production from, if, if we can say it that way. However, I still think he can be productive for sure. Okay, that's fair. Got one more thing for you, and then we're going to wrap up with something. You're a media guy, you're on the radio, you're not afraid of the hot take, that's for damn sure. What did you make of Rex Ryan's comments on Amari Cooper during ESPN's uh, Get Up show? Do you think he got too personal? Did he take it too far? For those who might not have heard it, I'm going to play the clip, and then I'm going to come back and get your reaction to it. Here's that clip. 
Well, I agree with Dan on the fact that I wouldn't have paid this guy. To me, this is the biggest disappearing act in the National Football League. He doesn't show up on the road. He doesn't show up against when the competition's good. When he's against the top corners, that guy disappears. And to me, he reminds me it's only one time that I can remember in, 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 in recent memory on elite receivers and disappearing acts like Amari Cooper. That was a kid that the Raiders had uh, a few years ago. Oh, that's right. That was Amari Cooper. This is who he is. And, Dan, he doesn't love football. Hell with it. He stops his routes. He does all this. I wouldn't have paid this turd. No way in hell. All right. No way in hell would I have paid this guy. To me, you pay Dak Prescott. Forget all those numbers. That you know They're number one in the league because of Dak Prescott, not because of this guy. It's a deep draft at receiver. They made a huge mistake stake right here do you agree with that sentiment and do you think maybe he went a little bit over the line to make it what's your thoughts on that so rex ryan went a little far calling him the turd i, I know people were really upset about that it, it, it was funny um yeah. but they uh, you know i i think he probably shouldn't have gone that far um having said that he was absolutely spot on in his analysis of amari cooper i could not poke any holes in it because he was completely spot on um, is one of the biggest disappearing acts considering he is now the highest paid wide receiver in football um, making $20 million a year for Murray Cooper, who again, just disappears for stretches and has over the course of his career for good quarterbacks, for mediocre quarterbacks and with bad quarterbacks um, in bad offenses, good passing offenses, teams that threw the ball a lot and ran the ball a lot. Um, he disappears against good shadow coverage um against good cornerbacks in the league and that's not a knock to say that other wide receivers don't get shut out um but he had as many games with less than 10 yards receiving as he did with over 100 so like that to me is screams um like just inconsistent you know and 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 not only inconsistent but a guy who is you know 11 for 185 and three touchdowns one game and on six targets goes catchless against the, you know, against the Patriots the next week. That's what happened this year. Um, so he just, you know, is very inconsistent. And that to me, I agree. I, I thought the Cowboys, you need to sign Dak Prescott way before you need to sign Amari Cooper. Um, and I know they only signed him for four years, uh, but it, to me, you could have, you, you could have traded for Stefan Diggs. <laughs> You could have signed you know, Emmanuel like you, Sanders you, for two years. You, you right, but you you could have gotten a good young receiver sure. um, and traded your first round pick and been better off for it and not paid the twenty million to Amari Cooper, who I just don't think is particularly the number one receiver, number one receiver you want. I'll tell you what, man. It, when you watch Dallas, what they do, it does give me a bigger appreciation for how the Buffalo Bills are being run right now. Which again, after. 17 years of not even making the playoffs. It feels weird to say that I love the way the Bills are being run. But just look at Dallas as a perfect example. They give the running back a pile of money. They trade a number one pick to get Amari Cooper. So, of course, they feel obligated to sign him. He leverages that into $20 million a year over five years. And they still haven't paid their quarterback, who, by the way, ultimately, when he signs, is going to be the highest paid player in NFL history, which I just find atrocious and laughable. It's not that I think Dak Prescott sucks, but ain't nobody in the world going to tell me that deserve, he deserves to be the highest no. paid NFL quarterback. But that's the kind of hole you dig yourself in when you pay your running back 
You pay your wide receiver and, and you don't pay your quarterback. Crazy. Much like the Cowboys, Dak Prescott's incredibly overrated for me. Sure. I think he's a good quarterback. Um, is he the? T- is he in the top five? No. Nope. No. Is he in the top seven? Nah. No, I don't think so. Me neither. Um, I think he's borderline top ten. Yeah, I agree. It's- and that's fine. But that does not equate $35 million a year. Does that scare you a little bit, though, saying, let's just say Josh Allen improves. He might not be elite, but he gets to a point on a contract. It's kind of like you have to be really careful how you manage your roster. Get me there. And who, and who get you, me there. Yeah, right. Get, get, me, get me to a point that I got to pay Josh Allen. Just yeah. like Brandon Bean said, cool with me. Yeah. Get me there. I agree. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, if, if you got to pay your quarterback, we're talking best case scenarios, my friend. I hear you, man. All right, so here's how we're going to end. I used to call this the mini lightning round. I realized we talked before we started taping. I've had John a couple of times, but I never gave you the start treatment, man. That's got to change. Nate Gehrig deserves start treatment. So I'm going to do what's called the fun fact finale now. That's how we're going to end this. Just going to ask you some random questions that I usually ask my sports media guests the first time I have them on. Not a lot of deep thought required. Kind of one of those rapid fire kind of deals. Whatever the first thing that pops in your mind, that'll be your answer. All right, you good with that? Deal. All right. Favorite all-time athlete? Brady Quinn. Oh, my God. I can't believe I said that, but yeah, that's right. Brady <laughs> Quinn. My cousin will love you. I got to make sure he hears this. He would say the exact same thing, Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn. Favorite city that you have visited? Favorite city I've visited is definitely going to be um, Reykjavik, Iceland. Ooh, that's nice. All yes. Right. Who is uh, not, not what you thought was coming there? No, I definitely <laughs> thought you were going to say some shit like Boston or some shit like that. <laughs> no, no, no. Iceland, baby. All right, man. Who was your first celebrity crush that you could vividly remember? Um, Mila Kunis, for sure. Okay. 100%. That 70s show. 100%. All right. What's your go to snack? And I'm not going to allow chicken wings. Uh, are we talking a uh, snack like a food that you make or something yeah, some that you late, like some pre-packaged? Late at night. Something late at night. Like we're taping this. It's getting closer to 10 o'clock hour. Before you hit the sack, man, you might want to go snack on something. What would it be? Two packs of Gushers. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> man, you're, you're throwing answers out I did not see coming. That's cool, though. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> what movie have you probably rewatched more than any other? Uh, no questions. Signs. <laughs> I am so revealing that I'm such a weirdo right now. <laughs> That's funny because the second last question you've already given oh, me. I, I, I'm going to give you a little bit of a hint or a spoiler here. The second last question in this list is something where I've already gotten three or four. You'll understand when I ask you it. But anyway, before we get to that, name a TV game show that you feel like you potentially could dominate if you were on it. Whether it's something that's current, something from the past, doesn't matter. Any TV game show. So you want to be a millionaire. I could, I, I, those people are so dumb. So you think you're whatever that show was called. Just get, those people are dumb and the lifelines were always the worst. People are, their friends are the worst. So yeah, that, that's definitely probably the show that I think I could, I could take down. Okay. Last couple here. Let's say instead of me being down in Florida and you stuck at home right now, I'm up in Buffalo. I mean, you are out doing some wings and, uh, taping a show. And then afterwards there's some karaoke going on and, in this imaginary scenario, Nate Gary is an incredible singer. You're going to grab the mic. What are you going to get up there and sing that everyone who's there watching karaoke, they're going to be wanting to sing along. They're going to get, they're going to get into it with you. Like, What would be your signature karaoke song? 
Frank Sinatra, New York. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. La- last three here. Who's your favorite Twitter follow? Like if Twitter were to go to you and say, it doesn't matter how many people follow you, but you can only follow one person or one handle. It can only be one. You can only, you lose every Twitter follow that you have except for one. What would be that one that you'd most want to keep? Follower or someone that I Somebody I'm that you follow. Okay. Okay. Um, that is a really good question. It's tough. Um, that is a tough one. I would say, I would say, uh, I'm stuck. I don't know if I want to do, uh, I'll, I'll, how about this? I'll just say PFT commenter. I love his handle. All right. Last two I, here. Well, this is one, because again, you gave me some things that I never would have saw coming and name a fun fact about you that most people won't know. Most people won't know. Um, geez. Okay. I was a voiceover in a Perry's ice cream commercial when I was younger. Uh, I was also made my first television debut uh, when I was, oh man, five years old. Uh, Ed Kilgore, very funny enough. Uh, I My dad caught a fly ball behind home plate at a Bisons game, passed me the ball. I took the ball and launched it from the top, from the three, from the 200 row or whatever, back onto the field. And they <laughs> came and they like came over, had me on camera, the whole nine, had it on VHS tape. Um, those are two fun facts about, about me. <laughs> that is awesome, man. All right. <laughs> Last one here. I ask everyone the same question. So let's pretend the coronavirus is not going on and you could have three people over your house tonight for some dinner, some drinks, anybody, any era, any point in time, three people at your house tonight, dinner, some drinks, some conversation. Who would be those three people you'd love to have at your dinner table? First and foremost, Matthew McConaughey, number one. Okay. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to pick someone near Matthew McConaughey, but Woody Harrelson is also like another person. I, I don't want to pick a True Detective season one, but I kind of do because yeah. that would be the most unbelievable. Uh, just talking uh, True Detective season one. So I'm going to go Woody Harrelson, Matthew McConaughey, and third and fourth. Oh man, um, probably Leo DiCaprio. Let's just let's just go with the the gruesome threesome on that one. Dude, you kind of rolled through that, man. That was impressive. I did. Good I stuff. Did. I, I, I am a, um, so it's, I, I am very tribal when it comes to movies uh, and TV shows. And what I mean by that is I, I'm not a big mainstream guy. I don't like watching or eating things or doing things that the masses like. I, I'm kind of, you know, punk rock like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the, the things to me anyways about movies is I am a, like, I love to stick with like a certain type of genre or a certain type of actor. And I'll watch that movie. Like when I I said signs and it's, it's funny to me that I couldn't even say it without really laughing when I said you, what movie have I seen more than any? And the only reason is, is I used to watch it when I was younger, me and my buddies used to like, you know, when we were underage drinking, of course, uh, what we used to do is play a drinking game, like every weekend to signs. And every time, uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to go any further. Cause my, maybe my dad's going to listen to this. I don't need to tell him about what I, what I was doing at 14, 15 years old, you know, or underage <laughs> drinking. But, uh, <laughs> but I will tell you that I've seen signs. I shit you not, Pat, I've probably seen signs upwards of 50 plus times. That's nuts. That's nuts for a movie. And I know every goddamn line of that movie. 
let <laughs> everyone get Nate a follow on Twitter <laughs> at Nate Gary WGR. Of course, check out WGR Sports Talk Saturday. Nate's on from his kitchen. Hopefully things get That's better great. soon, man. Thanks for Thanks, doing man. this, bro. You as well. First episode, Talking Buffalo Podcast. Yeah, man, I broke the seal. I'm uh, I'm pumped about it. So uh, thanks for having me on, brother. We'll do it again. We we do it enough. So. All right, folks. That is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you again, Nate Gary, WGR. Always a good time having Nate on the podcast. Thank you very much. Also, want to thank today's show supporters, Twenty Six Shirts. Audimute, and of course, Sounds Assured. Guys, if you haven't done so already, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. It really, really helps me continue to grow this podcast tremendously. New shows on Tuesday and Friday. When you subscribe, you're going to get them first. Of course, you can subscribe on any of the podcasting platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, all of them. Also, go on YouTube. Talking Buffalo podcast. Yeah, I almost did it. I almost said Analytics podcast. Go on YouTube, type in Talking Buffalo podcast. Subscribe there as well. And that, by the way, is different from this podcast. I'm going to have some highlight clips from current and past episodes up there, but also plenty of original audio content that you're only going to find on that YouTube channel. Not going to find it anywhere else. Not even this podcast. So go check that out. Then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter at Tweets. I'm like literally parked on Twitter. I'm there multiple times every single day. So you'll find me there at Pamoran Tweets. And again, thank you so much for listening. I really, truly appreciate it. I say it all the time because I really mean it. I know how many podcasts are out there, how many options there are, great options. So if you're dialed into this one, it it really does. It uh, means a lot to me. So thank you very much again. Have a good week. And the common theme nowadays more than ever, please, 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 Stay safe. Be back. New show on Friday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye. Buffalo's got a spirit talking proud, talking proud. Listen up and hear it talking proud, talking proud. The good life that we share with nice people who care. It's time to tell them all we're up and standing tall. America, we're a winner. Hear us now, hear us now. On a sunny Sunday day, singing loud. Growing every day and every day.